Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Hi, I'm Faye Singh. I'm the National President of the Pharmaceutical Society of Australia. And thank you to Carleen and AJP for uh, the opportunity to speak to you today. Thank you. Um, can you please tell me some of the top updates for pharmacies and pharmacists for 2023? Look, Carleen, I, I really thought about um, as, you know, we, the year uh, drew to an end, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I really reflected on what had happened in 2023 in pharmacy. And if I could summarize that, I really think that when we look back in history, 2023 is, is a year that I would describe as a monumental year. And why I say it's a monumental year is because I know there have been a lot of conversations about funding, about 60-day dispensing, about anxiety levels of pharmacists. But why I say it's monumental is because it's actually more complex than that. If we look back, 2023 was really a year where we saw and we are about to continue to see fundamental change in the role, in the scope of pharmacists and the expectations on pharmacists. So many things happened in 2023, if I could quickly sum up. We started the year in 2023, I would say, feeling very positive. Um, with the expansion of, of um, the scope of practice of pharmacists into prescribing in a number of states and territories. Then very soon, in, in the first quarter of uh, 2023, our profession got the news about um, what was in the federal budget at the time, which was the um, proposed implementation of the 60-day uh, dispensing. Um, so that obviously took up a lot of time, energy, um, physical and emotional and psychological for everyone um, in our profession. Um, and the, the proposal for the implementation of the 60-day dispensing policy had then, had then led to the um, early conversation of uh, the eighth community pharmacy agreement which um, your listeners would know that at the moment we are still in the midst of um, negotiations and discussions with um, the ministers and with the department surrounding um, an adequate remuneration and programs for pharmacists. Um, and throughout 2023, we also saw continued um, expansion in terms of scope and prescribing by pharmacists across the states and territories. And to me, those things happened despite national and national you know, conversations and policy changes. Those things that are happening on the ground in the states at the state and territory levels, like prescribing pilots and that are still progressing, those are telling me that those are driven by actual real needs and demands on the ground. Um, so I think despite the significant paradigm shift in the practice landscape, we continue to see that the demand on pharmacists um, continue to increase. 
and we continue to also see appetites on the ground by states and territory governments to want to see pharmacists play a bigger role, um, specifically in primary care, to alleviate pressures in the emergency department and also in uh, 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 amongst GPs. Um, so we've, we've got, we saw that last year. Also last year, in 2023, um, you know, the list goes on. We also, um, at PSA, we introduced the new professional practice standards um, in July. And that was on the back of acknowledging the significant paradigm shift in the way we practice pharmacists and that all of our practice needs to be underpinned by current, up-to-date and robust um, practice standards to guide our work. We also, last year, saw um, the new release of prescribing standards, aged care you know, accreditation standards. We also had lots of conversations um, around the aged care on-site pharmacist program, um, the role of credential pharmacists, HMRs, what's going to happen to HMRs, what's going to happen to RMMRs, um, what's going to happen to credential pharmacists' future. We also saw um, uh, you know, the, the number of national pharmaceutical agreements that are happening that affects hospital pharmacist practice. We also saw the introduction of the new opioid dependence treatment program. We also continued to see the increase in the implementation uptake of a range of digital health um, involving pharmacy and pharmacists. Um, we also, you know, in terms of um, for um, academics and for training and education, we also saw the ACRUD review and the CRUD review um, affecting accreditation um, and training and education of the next generation of pharmacists. So I think all in all, to sum up, 2023 was a monumental year because it was probably the only time in the history of pharmacy where we saw significant policy and health system changes or policies and proposals that affect every single part and component of our profession. Thank you. So you've alluded to some of these before, um, but I thought I'd ask about some of the issues in pharmacy. Um, there might be some others. And I guess some of the key areas of interest by pharmacists as well. Yes, yeah, so the, the key area of interest, I think, if you ask pharmacists, the sentiment on the ground is that pharmacists genuinely have um, the desire, I would use the word desire, I, I strongly feel that pharmacists on the ground regardless of their areas of practice and areas of specialization, pharmacists uh, genuinely have the desire to want to do more for their patients, for the public. They genuinely want to do good. They genuinely want to do more. But I think at a time of change, um, it, it, it does create a level of uncertainty and anxiety, especially if details are not available, if we are expected to continue to practice and can continue to deliver, but yet there is no guarantee of um, funding. There's no guarantee of future. So I think um, it, it, in terms of areas of interest, I do see that there is a genuine desire by the profession overall to try and advance the profession and try to expand the scope and expand what pharmacists can do to better deliver timely access to care and medicine safety for the public. I genuinely believe in that. I genuinely believe that the interest and the desire are both there. Um, but again, it comes back down to the practicality 
um, and the sustainability and whether we actually are able to, to do that and we are supported to do that. And that means whether we have the adequate funding and remuneration to do these things in a sustainable manner moving forward. So you would agree that one of the main issues for pharmacy for 2023 were issues around funding? So, so that's a really good question that you asked, right, Carleen? Because if you ask me um, explicitly like that, whether I think funding in itself in isolation was the biggest issue in 2023, I would actually say that the issue is actually more complex than just funding. So funding in itself should be an enabler for change or at times of change. And I think in 2023, we saw funding being a barrier. It's not that we don't want to change. I think it's not that the profession um, is not willing to change the way we practice. It's not that we don't agree that there is a need to change, but it's needing to know that there will be funding and support um, available to adequately support pharmacists to be able to deliver these roles in a sustainable manner. So I think the issue is more complex than just funding in itself, because the issue here is about sustainability and viability of, um, you know, the role of the pharmacist moving forward, regardless of practice settings, community pharmacy, aged care, credential pharmacies work, um, you know, in hospitals, in, in all settings. It's about um, the sustainability. And, I, and why I say it's also complex is because I reflected a lot actually um, around Christmas time, Carleen, when I had some downtime, I reflected a lot about what happened um, in 2023. Um, in 2023, I've had um, the privilege to sit on some tables and really hear the views and the perspectives of some of the stakeholders and policy makers in, in our health system. And my takeaway was that for a long time, our profession, had, we have always done good work, but we've always practiced in isolation. And what we really need to do at this point in time is to really acknowledge that we, we as a profession needs to be better integrated into the Australian healthcare system. And to do that, it means that the things that we do, the way we advocate for ourselves, the way we talk about pharmacists ourselves, the way we talk about our level of contribution, we must do those things. We must do those advocacy and we must have those conversations through the lens of those stakeholders that are outside of our profession, but those people that actually hold the decision-making power um, and, and those people that are actually um, at the table making those decisions, because it's not until we can put ourselves in their shoes and advocate for ourselves through their lens that we can actually get the outcome that we want. Thank you. What do you think will be some of the top considerations for pharmacists in 2024? Well, I think in 2024, it's um, we're still living through the outcomes and the consequences and um, of, of everything that happened in 2023. I think you know the battle is still on. Uh, the fire hasn't gone away. Many of the things that we started doing in 2023 hasn't finished yet. We're gonna we're about to see the outcome in 2024. 
And this is a pivotal time, I think, for our profession to recognise that change is happening, not just in our pharmacy profession, right? Change is actually happening in all elements, all facets, all, all levels of our health system. Change is also happening amongst the doctors group, for example. Change is also happening in the way how Medicare money is being spent, for example. Change is obviously happening around how PBS expenditure is being done and that sort of stuff. So changes that is happening in, in pharmacy at the moment is not unique to just to just pharmacy. So I think what we are about to see in 2024, a number of things. So we will obviously um, see in 2024 the outcomes uh, of um, the negotiations um, around the HCPA. We're going to see what's going to happen to HCPA. We're going to see whether um, our profession will continue to be supported to play the core role, which to ensure timely um, and safe and effective um, supply, if you like, of medicines and dispensing in itself is a clinical activity. So we mustn't forget that. We also will then see whether the new agreement would be facilitating pharmacists to continue to play the same role in services or do we um, uh, or would we be supported to play a greater role? So I think the outcome of the HCPA obviously will be realised in 2024. Um, in 2024, I think this year we will also see the outcome following the um, federal government's scope of practice review, also known as the Unleashing the Potential of Health Workforce Review. Now, bearing in mind that that's something that I talked a lot um, last year, um, that is something that, you know, at PSA, we do take that seriously because um, it, it does, it is important for us to help position pharmacists um, where pharmacists needs to be, you know, contributing to timely access to care and medicine safety. So, um, but, but bearing in mind that that is a review that uh, is across the board, uh, across the whole health system and all health professionals, not just pharmacy. So it will be very interesting to look at the outcome of that scope of practice review. Um, obviously, this year, according to the proposal, we will um, see the second uh, stage two, I should say, of the six-day dispensing being introduced on the 1st of March, and then the third stage of the six-day dispensing being introduced on um, the 1st of September. So I think it will be really interesting to see how the HCPA um, and subsequent remuneration for pharmacists and pharmacies are tied into and, and how that aligns with the introduction uh, and continued introduction of the six-day dispensing policy. Um, of course, this year, um, on the 1st of January, uh, for those listeners who are a member of the PSA would know that we've been sending out member engagement information about uh, the NIP-VIP um, program, which started on the 1st of Jan, uh, and, and the whole of this year we'll be doing more support for pharmacists in this space as well. Um, also, I think in 2024, let's not forget that um, last year, there was a lot of momentum um, by the federal government to strengthen Medicare and primary care. And um, we do at PSA have a seat at that table now in terms of the Implementation Oversight Committee. So I think um, it'll be really interesting to see how um, this year pans out in terms of the farms' role in primary care. Um, uh, also this year, um, I would anticipate sometime mid this year that we would also see um, the finally the rollout of the HK on-site pharmacist program, where pharmacists will be able to 
uh, directly have a level of influence to improve quality use of medicines and medicine safety for residents um, at residential aged care facilities. And this is obviously on the back of the um, MAIFO that was just released a couple of weeks before Christmas, um, indicating uh, the government's commitment for this ACOP program to be rolled out in mid um, this year. Um, I think also this year, we will continue to see greater level of integration of pharmacists within primary care. Um, and when I say integration within primary care, it includes, but it's not exclusive to, physical co-location of pharmacists within a multidisciplinary team. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see that um, and, uh, and for pharmacists to continue to play a role in medicine safety. And of course, let's not forget about digital health. I think that's something that uh, is fast evolving and will continue to evolve this year. Thank you. How can pharmacists prepare for some of the changes that might be coming for 2024? Look, I think I, I really also was thinking about that again, you know, reflecting that over um, the Christmas downtime period. I think I, 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 because I'm a pharmacist as well, and I, I really feel, um, I mean, I feel that I'm emotionally connected to all pharmacists. This is how I feel. I really feel that pharmacists, many pharmacists at the moment are still feeling very emotional. Um, and the truth is many pharmacists, um, will, uh, you know, are probably feeling quite burnt out and tired. You know, most pharmacist colleagues that I see, um, you know, I can just see the tiredness on their face. And I think that's that's on the back of, you know, let's not forget we, we fought COVID for three years. We continued to deliver over that COVID period. And straight after that, we have had to deal with the significant number of changes and, and level of uncertainty the whole of 2023. So I think how can pharmacists better prepare themselves? Well, I mean, this year there's going to be we, – we, we, pharmacists need to, I think, accept that change is a constant. We know that, and I think it's, it's only reasonable for us to expect even more changes this year. And change is not necessarily a bad thing. It's, 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 um, it's an evolution. It's a journey that we're all in. It's, it can be very draining. So I do think the best thing that pharmacists can do is actually pharmacists definitely need to look after um, you know, our own mental health and well-being, definitely continue to support each other during these very challenging and emotional and you know, um, um, a, very, a very turmoil time in our profession. Um, but I think on top of that, pharmacists should be um, very aware of what's happening around us all of the policy changes, um, is there any additional training and education that pharmacists need to do to better equip themselves to undertake the new roles? So, for example, um, if, the, if, you know, if you practice in a particular state, state government has just announced the expansion of a particular pilot or prescribing rights, then I would obviously encourage pharmacists to then reflect on um, what they can do within their own ability to equip themselves so that they can continue to deliver best care possible to the patients that they care for. So the, I think the mandate for us, which is what I truly genuinely believe, and everyone at PSA, that, that's, that's our mandate, and I, and I believe all pharmacists should, should you know, think about that as well. In everything that we do, we must not forget about the two key roles that we play. Number one, we help to deliver timely access to care, and second, 
we help to deliver medicine safety and quality use of medicines. And that can be done in any settings by anyone with any any pharmacist with any level of specialization. And, um, and, and that includes dispensing professional services. It includes all of the work that we do. We mustn't forget the ultimate aim here is to, number one, deliver timely access to care. Second is to help contribute towards medicine safety and quality use of medicines. So, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot. I mean, I, I can keep, keep going on, but I, I reflected on this and I, I recently um, read, um, read up more about change management as my own personal professional development. And the change management um, cycle actually talks about, um, you know, the ADKAR, A-D-K-A-R, and A is for awareness. So we're being aware that change is here, change needs to happen. D is for desire, knowing that there needs to be a change. And K is knowledge. Do we have the knowledge and skills to be able to deliver on that change? And A is ability. Do we have the ability to implement those changes? And then R is reinforcement. So I would strongly encourage, you know, at, at times of change, um, in the way we practice, in the way in our career, it can naturally create a high level of anxiety, um, but um, it's important for us to think about it in a very pragmatic and practical way and to control the things that we can control. Um, and of course, you, you would always want strong um, pig bodies representing, um, you know, pharmacies and pharmacists um, to be advocating um, for, for pharmacists. Thank you. So I thought I'd ask if you have any sentiments for pharmacists um, following an interesting year and coming into um, yeah, coming into 2024. Um, I, I, I really, you know, I, in my um, last president's message to PSA members um, just before the Christmas shutdown, I, I mentioned that um, you know, I last, you know, last year 2023 was was a significant year. But my, my big takeaway from that as well is that it really highlighted to me genuinely how important it is to have strong um, representation um, of pharmacists at all levels of government engagement, at all levels of department engagement, at all levels of wherever and whenever decisions are being made. Um, and to do that, I, I really, you know, and last year, I really saw that the profession did come together. I did witness, you know, a level of unity and um, solidarity that I hadn't previously had witnessed in the profession. And I, and I saw that last year. And I think, you know, I want to take this opportunity, if possible, to remind, you know, all pharmacists and, and those who are listening about the importance of unity and working together as pharmacists. And, and also really supporting your professional organisations that are supporting your work. So that's, you know, the PSA, that's the Guild, that's the SHPA, that, that's the body, whoever the bodies that are actually representing yourselves. Like, I can't stress enough how important it is to have very strong representation and strong bodies that represents your interest. Um, and, and, you know, and, and obviously, I mean, I can obviously only speak, speak on behalf of PSA, um, and at PSA, we take this very seriously as well. And that's why, you know, uh, we've planned a number of things this year. We're going to be very, very busy. We're anticipating a very busy year already. Um, this year, we're going to continue 
um, the engagement and consultation um, to work towards uh, a new big policy document, which is pharmacists in 2030. We're continuing our work around supporting pharmacists through guidelines and also um, high quality training and education so pharmacists can actually continue to do their work. We'll continue our representation um, of pharmacists um, wherever decisions are made. But also, we will also continue, but also ramp up our engagement with other stakeholders. And this could be pink bodies in other groups um, and, and really collaborate and, and, and work with project partners um, to work towards innovation um, in practice with other partners. And a good example I can give is um, the recent work that uh, PSA is doing on uh, palliative care. Um, and we've got amazing team at PSA, um, you know, amazing PSA staff members who are very passionate about this, but uh, PSA work very collaboratively with um, other stakeholders who also have an interest in palliative care to, to basically position pharmacists and look at how pharmacists can contribute towards palliative care. I mean, that I think it's a really, that's one of the many examples, but that's a good example to showcase how important it is to keep that good level of engagement and partnership and, 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 and to continue to keep a good rapport with um, uh, other stakeholders that might not be the government, might not be the Department of Health um, or Department of Communities, but, but these are the other stakeholder groups um, and, and they could be consumer groups or other pig bodies, um, uh, you know, or, or, or representing other professions or other uh, disease state. I think it's really important for us to not forget about engagement with them. Thank you. Is there anything that I haven't asked you? Um, well, not that I can think of, um, but I'm very happy for, uh, as always, my door is always open. Very, very happy for uh, anyone to be in touch if um, there's anything that people think that PSA can do better, if there's anything that we, we should be considering that we haven't really considered, I would very welcome um, the involvement. Um, and, and, you know, finally, I really do want to reiterate um, that I really anticipate 2024 to be a busier year than 2023 um, for everyone in our profession. And I want to encourage um, all pharmacists, regardless of your areas of specialization or areas of practice, to really think about looking after yourselves, think about your own mental health and well-being as we go through this um, uh, very bumpy uh, journey that's going to be ahead of us. So look after yourself, but also don't forget to support one another and all the other um, pharmacists and your team working around you. And, and please don't forget about unity. I mean, um, we are actually a very small profession, you know, if you think about the size of other um, professions. So I do think that, you know, the least we can do is to stay united and to leave, really leverage the strengths of um, one another to bring towards the same goal, um, which is to really look after our profession. And, and of course, the people that we serve. That was amazing. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP Podcast and send us a message.